promise before God to tell the truth. We know that this man is a sinner. He replied, I do not know whether he is a sinner. I do know one thing, that although I was blind, now I can see. Then they said to him, what did, he say, what did he do to you? How did he cause you to see? He answered, I told you already, and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You people don't want to become his disciples too, do you? They heaped insults on him, saying, you are his disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses. We do not know where this man comes from. The man replied, this is a remarkable thing, that you don't know where he comes from, and yet he caused me to see. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but if anyone is devout and does his will, God listens to him. Never before has anyone heard of someone causing a man born blind to see. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They replied, you were born completely in sinfulness, and yet you presume to teach us? So they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, so he found the man and said to him, do you believe in the Son of Man? The man replied, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus told him, You have seen him. He is the one speaking with you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, so that those who do not see may gain their sight, and the ones who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard this and asked him, We are not blind too, are we? Jesus replied, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now, because you claim that you can see, your guilt remains. Wow. I mean, that is a powerful, powerful story. Um, we are so glad that everyone is here safely. Thank you for making it here. If you're joining us through the live stream, we're thankful that you're here joining us. Um, thank you for choosing to be here. Um, we, we all have our own stories, don't we? All of us are here living out our own stories. We all have things in our lives that keep us from seeing the truth, whether that be prejudice, doubt, self-ambition, self-righteousness, fear, guilt, insert blinding factor here, whatever. <laughs> when we look at a human who is suffering, whether it's ourselves or someone else, what do we see? What do we see? What do we really see? Do we see what we think we might know about their lives and then just start to make our own judgments about it? What, is, what does Jesus want us to see? What should we see? And this chapter is, is another example for us, and, and I'm really thankful to have been asked to walk through it with you. So, so here we go. When I read this passage, I read it over and over and over, and there were so many things that I didn't understand. And Thankfully, the teaching team, it was such a great experience to go through that, to get all of the, the input from so many different people. Um, but there's so much to glean from this passage that it was really hard to narrow down one, one theme. Um, but, but in this passage, we see compassion, we see uncertainty, we see fear, we see restoration, and we see transformation. In the beginning of the story, the disciples asked Jesus, Rabbi, who committed the sin that caused this man to be blind? Did he commit it or did his parents? Which is interesting. Notice he didn't say, Rabbi, why is this man blind? Why is he suffering? Which shows us where they're coming from. At the time, the, the common teaching was that 
anyone who had a physical disability, anyone who was suffering brought that upon themselves. It was because of their sin. It was because of the sin of their fathers who carried into a thousand generations. Um, so they assumed to already know why he was blind. They said, who, who? So their reaction is, okay, so was it him? Was it his parents? How can we avoid this in the future? And then in, in verses three through five, we see Jesus's response, which again, in Jesus' style, is very not in line with the law, not in line with the teaching. He's here to shake it up. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but he was born blind so that the acts of God may be revealed through what happens to him. We must perform the deeds of the one who sent me as long as it is daytime. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Okay, now, I want to do, imagine with me, okay? Imagine you're the blind man. Let's put ourselves in the, in the shoes of the blind man. You've been blind your whole life. We can assume he's probably about 18 when his parents say he's of age. I'm assuming 18. I don't know that for a fact, but I'm thinking in that teenager, adult age. Um, you've been blind your whole life, rejected by society, destined to be a beggar, marginalized. You can still hear everything that's going on and probably hear more than a lot of people because I bet a lot of people walking by didn't even see him or pretended like he didn't even matter. And you hear the question that the disciples asked, and then you hear Jesus's answer. And you're still sitting there. But the last, think about that last line you hear. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. You hear that. Then what do you feel? You feel hands touch your eyes and smear something on your eyes. Then you hear a command. You hear, go, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So you say, okay. You go to the pool, you wash, and there's the light. You have never seen light. You have no idea what to expect. You have no idea what's about to happen and how your life is about to change. And I, I, we don't read about it. You know, John doesn't tell it this way. He doesn't tell the joy side of it. But where's the joy? We have to, we have to know that there's joy in this. That Just think of the little girls' faces when they took the bandages off their eyes. I mean, they just, they're looking around and, and they're smiling and they're laughing. And how do you even... How do you even know what to expect? But they just, it's sheer joy and the joy of the parents. So there, there is joy in this miracle happening and God working in this man's life. But we're quickly reminded that we're back to the law. So you're taken to the Pharisees to testify to what happened. You say the same thing multiple times. This is the truth. I was blind, smeared mud on my eyes, told me to wash, and now I can see. Get it? No, they're, they're trying to discredit this. So the more you tell your story, the more I have to kind of think that the stronger it becomes, the more you start to, to really be, be firm in that, in that truth. And you gain courage to challenge back. You say, this is a remarkable thing that you don't even know where it comes from, and yet he, made, he caused me to see so then you're judged, and you're rejected yet again, and thrown out of your community. Okay, now let's switch, and, and imagine you're the man's parents. You've been judged since the birth of your child based on this belief that either it was the, the man who sinned or his parents, 
So you've been judged since the, the birth of your child because he has a physical impairment. You're rejected by society. You probably live with a lot of guilt because of that belief at the time. You're called to answer to the religious leaders about your son, so you tell them what you know and nothing more. I know, we know he is our son, and we know that he was born blind, and that now he can see, but nothing, and nothing else. Because you're afraid. You're afraid of what it means if you claim it. And you have this fear because the Pharisees... The religious leaders had got, gotten together and agreed, not based on law, but, but based on their own fear, and they feel threatened, so they come together, agree, okay, anyone who says Jesus is the Christ, out, out, because we cannot have this happening here. And, and so they were afraid of being thrown out of, the, of their community. And this is not a, hey, you can't come to church on Sunday morning, okay? This is a cut off from their community, which could have meant even more poverty and rejection than they were already experiencing. Now imagine you're a Pharisee, which is not that, you know, we read this passage and when I read it, it's so easy to get frustrated at the Pharisees and be like, why don't you get it? He's right there. He's right in front of you. How can you not see him? But it's they were so blinded by their own fear and their own blinding factors. You know, think, and it's not so hard to, to identify with them because imagine you're a Pharisee, you've been taught by the book, you know the law, you believe to know the law is to be righteous. That's what you know, you're a disciple of Moses. You're afraid of the unknown. All of this makes you really uncomfortable. What do we do when we're uncomfortable? You know, some people kind of dive right into it, and some people, nope, 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 I'm uncomfortable. Nope, this is not okay. I don't like this feeling. You're afraid to see Jesus for who he really is. You're afraid of the disruption of order. You're afraid of your worldview to be completely changed. You're afraid of what it will do to your daily life and to your life going forward. So think about that. These things... Think about how many of those same fears keep us from seeing the truth and, and keep us from seeing people the way Jesus sees people and welcoming people into the kingdom the way Jesus welcomed them into the kingdom. So your reaction is to discredit. You, you grasp onto what you know. You grasp onto the law. Okay, so this man, Jesus, said, you know, he did this miracle on, on a Sabbath. So sinners, they don't observe the Sabbath. So he's a sinner. We know he's a sinner. And, and you say that. They say that so confidently. So they insult and they condemn and you, you throw the man out of the synagogue. They try to pressure this man, or you, so you try to pressure this man into denying that he received sight, denying that he was blind and, and had been healed and received this, this gift. And you heap insults on him, saying, we are disciples of Moses. In multiple times, which is interesting because in multiple times in Isaiah, it's written, the eyes of the blind shall see, the eyes of the blind shall be opened. So you would think, as so well-versed as they claim to be, and claiming to know and to have the authority of the law, that they would see the writings on the wall, that these things are happening. Oh, 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 hey, guys, hey. This was written about, this is a, a prophecy being fulfilled here. But instead, they're just so fearful, and they, they remain blind. 
So now, insert yourself back into the life of the man. Jesus, you've been completely cut off from your community, and Jesus hears that this happens to you, and he seeks you out. He comes and finds you. You don't go and find him. Okay, so this is all happening. I got to go find this guy who did this to me so I can figure out why this is happening. No, Jesus found you. And what does that show us about the people that he seeks out? He, he seeks out even those who are rejected by society, even those who are judged to have brought the suffering on themselves, just like the woman at the well that we heard Feli talk about last week. So isn't, isn't this yet another example of how we should be, who we should be seeking, how, how we should be seeking and welcoming into the kingdom the way that Jesus did? So he seeks, he seeks you, he finds you, and he asks you, do you believe in the Son of Man? And what's your answer? Who is he that I may believe in him? Jesus told him, you have seen him. He is the one speaking with you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world so that those who do not see may gain their sight and the ones who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard this and asked him, we are not blind too, are we? Jesus replied, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now, because you claim that you can see, your guilt remains. To receive Jesus was to receive sight, the light of the world. To reject him was to reject the light. So what is Jesus revealing about himself here? What is preventing us from seeing the glory of God? What is keeping us from seeing people the way Jesus sees us? Just think about that in our own lives. What is keeping us? from seeing, whether it's ourselves or someone else, what's keeping us from seeing the people the way that Jesus saw us. So if we step back and we look at the big picture, the biggest story that's the constant throughout all of this is Jesus. His love, his compassion for people. We can see him showing us a better way to live in community with one another the way to love each other better. And notice, I I don't say perfectly because it's not going to happen. You know, we're not going to do this perfectly, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't try. He shows us the point to have compassion and to love humans, all humans, just as we are. We have a table set here for us to remember. Remember who Jesus is, and that he sees us. We don't dismiss by rose, so come as you will. This is a time of reflection, a time of prayer, and a time of offering. And I am really grateful to have been here to worship with all of you. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Bonnie. I think the word I use for that passage is is thick. <laughs> There's lots in there for us to consider. So as we as we consider that, and as Bonnie said, as we remind ourselves that this communion table is all about common unity, 
It's about us being remembered, us being brought back together. Um, it's about us being reminded of Christ. Um, it's about us putting God back in the center of our lives and removing ourselves from that center. So, again, as you take your communion today, be thinking about those things. Pray about those things. Um, also, there's a we're going to pass an offering basket only because we have so much great ministry that we're doing here at Grace that we need to share in that burden of ministry. Um, and so we, we're asking you guys to all be involved as a part of worship this morning. We're going to sing a song together as we're taking communion. It's an old hymn written in the late 1800s called Open My Eyes That I May See. Um, and again, it, it helps us to understand a little bit more about this notion of blindness and seeing. And seeing in this song starts with the eyes and then it goes to the ears and then to the mouth and then your mind and your heart and it forms your, forms your actions.